Well, as you can see, we have our Ecuador team up here this morning, and they're going to tell us their story. You know, one of the things that we do here at Hope Fellowship is we believe in being a part of God's mission worldwide. You know, one of the things that Jesus said, uh, Acts chapter uh, 1, verse 8, right before Jesus went back into heaven, he's, he's died, he's resurrected, he's with his followers, he's about to ascend back in heaven. And Jesus said this to his followers. He said, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. First of all, Jesus says he's going to help us reach people for him. Okay, we're not, we're not supposed to do this alone. He's going to empower us to do this, do that. But look at the pattern. Jesus says, you're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem. Where were they? In Jerusalem. And then he says, in Judea and Samaria, that's, that's around Jerusalem and all as you keep spreading out and eventually to the ends of the earth. We believe in this pattern in being involved in reaching people as a church. And so we spend a lot of time and money to reach people here in Chestertown the surrounding regions. We even support missionaries that are U.S. missionaries. And then we believe in being a part of God's mission all around the world. And so uh, that's a part of what these missions trips are about. And so our team got to go on a missions trip. About two weeks ago, they came back. And that doesn't happen, first of all, without missions mama. And if you don't know who she is, Miss Rose Osborne. So would you welcome her? So she puts a lot of work into these, these uh, uh, events, so, and so we're so appreciative of your, of your labor, Rose. And so tell us, where did we go this year? So we went back to the jungle. We went back to Sakua, Ecuador, um, not deep in the jungle, but the outskirts of the jungle. We partnered with Coastal Community Church and took a team of 24 folks between the two churches, roughly half and half from each church. Um, we partnered with uh, missionaries Joel and Leah Marbit. And their main objectives in their mission is planting churches. They've planted churches all throughout the jungle. Um, they provide a Bible school, which they do on Wednesday nights. We were able to be a part of that Bible school while we were there. And they also formed the Hope House, um, which hopefully if we have time, you'll hear a little bit more about um, uh, that mission. You know, one of the things that's unique about the trip is every trip is different even if we've been to that place before. So we never, we're never quite sure what we're going to do when we arrive there. And, um, you know, our, our goal when we go on a mission trip is not to change the world in a day there. Our goal is to serve the missionaries and further their mission um, for that period of time. And so we got to work on some unique projects this time. And so Rose is going to lead us through uh, what we did this year. So we set out to a village called San Jose, and we were charged with building a house for a pastor, um, putting in a septic, and painting the church for the same pastor. Um, and I'm going to let Jamie talk about the um, building of the pastor's church. So first of all, I just, on behalf of our group and myself, just thank everyone for your prayers and support while we were there. Uh, we definitely needed it, and it was useful. Um, so after a long path... Uh, into the jungle on a big bus. Uh, we entered this small village in the jungle named San Jose. A group of us, as we get off this bus, we are told, be flexible. So as a group of us head down this gravelly path, not knowing where it leads or where it ends, uh, we come finally a few hundred yards. We come to a concrete mixer with a pile of sand, um, long, narrow, path that winds through jungle leaves. Um, so then we uh, find a pile of 
block just sitting there and we're told, move this block. Um, so one by one, we form a chain and we hand this block from each other and we get it over to this slab of concrete with some concrete pillars. Um, and a group of us also form a chain and we're no water source, so we're actually dipping five gallon buckets of water, passing them to each other uh, from this small ditch to get it up into a barrel so we can use this for our concrete mixing. Um, then uh, we fire the concrete mixer up and uh, these blocks start forming walls as uh, as mortar is mixed and passed along through trowels. Um, after a while, uh, people or those of us who didn't know how, or if we were Masons, we became Masons by the end <laughs> of three days. Uh, but easy enough said, uh, there was cutting of block, uh, which Mr. Gary did much of um, and enjoyed. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, one measuring tape. Uh, to use amongst us all, uh, very bare minimum, but we made it happen, and that's all was needed to form this nice house for this lady. Uh, she was actually pastor um, to house herself and her children to protect her in a place for prayer for herself. Um, and uh, that's about all I got. So also at the house, we were charged with putting in a septic. Um, now, most of the, there, there is no indoor plumbing in any of the houses in this jungle, um, so you use the jungle, um, but her house actually is going to have a bathroom, and Jason's going to talk about that septic project. Yeah, so uh, after, like Jamie said, we did the bucket brigade style of passing the blocks down the path, um, I was looking for a job, and I thought maybe I would haul mortar with the wheelbarrow, or... Um, I was just trying to be flexible, um, and I just happened to be in the right place or the wrong place at the right time, depending on how you look at it. Um, uh, Joel came over and said, hey, I need a, a small contingent of people to go dig a hole for a septic tank. I was like, sure, I can do that. I can use a shovel. So we got a shovel and a digging bar, which is a long, heavy bar with like a spade on one end and a point on the other, and uh, found out soon enough why we needed it, about the Four inches down, we hit clay and rock, and that was the rest of the hole, was just taking that point of that digging bar and just beating off a, a, a little layer at a time and then shoveling it out with a shovel. Um, but, I mean, like I told uh, everybody that I've uh, talked to since I've been back, that's the, that's the most fun I've ever had digging a hole. Um, it, it was awesome. We had a team of about four to six people at a time, and we would switch off. You know, we would go for, take short shifts so we wouldn't get wore out. Um, and uh, it was it was a menial task, but also, you know, a, a huge blessing. Because like Rose said, most of the houses there don't have indoor plumbing. And this uh, lovely pastor will have the comfort of being able to get up and not have to go outside in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom. So um, that's going to be a huge blessing for her, and uh, I was glad to be a part of it. So while we were at the village, we not only worked on Pastor Sylvia's house and her septic, but they also wanted some help with the church. So Gary's going to talk to us about what we did at the church there. Yeah, so we, we everybody started down at the house and moving block and everything, and then Leah came down about an hour later and asked um, if she could get a small group of people to walk back up to the church. Um, and so me and Dante, let's see who else went with us, Rose was with us, and a few other people from Coastal. We went back up to the church 
which was a little deflating at first. You know, everybody wanted to be a part of building this house for this pastor. Um, but we volunteered. We went back up to the church, and uh, immediately I knew in my heart that that's where I was supposed to be, right? So I don't like painting. Um, I don't think any of us really <laughs> like painting, but uh, it was a blast right from the start where uh, we were, Dante and I were running around the outside cleaning off cobwebs with uh, brooms, if, if you can call them that. Um, and <clears throat> started mixing paint. We had too much water and not enough water, and it was too thick and too thin. And um, immediately, the rest of the community hopped in. We had Pastor Sylvia and Sister Maria and all of the kids with us um, from like <laughs> 3 to 16 or 17. And it was just mass chaos uh, right from the start. You know, we're running around the outside trying to tape the tape the wall up so we can separate the crazy blue and red so that, you know, looks nice and it's just perfect. And um, we quickly figured out that it didn't have to be perfect. We just had to be a part of, you know, helping the community out. And so Monday we spent uh, all day on the outside of the church in red and blue. Um, some of it ended up on us. <laughs> and uh, then Tuesday we went back up and we were able to paint and clean the inside of the church and do some benches and stools inside as well and desks. I know Sandy painted a whole desk. Um, but it was just absolutely awesome to be a part of the community. Um, and such a menial task like painting uh, became such a, a grand event. Um, it, was, it was just really awesome. So church, one of the things that you have to understand is, uh, I know this is the team that went down and did the work uh, this past week, but you guys were actually a part of building that house. And you say, how so? Well, one of the things we've been talking about in our Money Talk series is how your giving affects people coming to know Jesus and ministry happening all, all around the world. And so, you know, those blocks that were put in uh, our church plus Coastal Community Church, we, we took funds down to make that happen, and your giving is a part of that. So you guys are a big part of that house getting built for that pastor who in, in the painting of the church and all that. So thank you for your faithfulness and giving. So in addition to building the house and painting the church, we also took eyeglasses with us and hygiene packs. So on Tuesday, we had a portion of the team stayed back at the um, local church right in Sakua, and they have a meeting every week with their pastors to try to support their pastors. Um, with special things as well. So we provided them with eyeglasses and sunglasses and had a, had a pretty good time with the, with the sunglasses. It was quite the fashion statement for a lot of them. Um, that afternoon, we left that church. We joined San Jose, and we provided the same services in the village for the villagers to come and get the glasses. Um, Tori um, brought her hair-cutting accessories, so she and I did cut some hair. Um, I did maybe four or five little boys, and she continued as we wanted to go down and see the, the ending of, you know, the progress that had been happened on the house. And Tori tried desperately to make it down there to join us for the group photo, but every time she thought she was finished cutting hair, three more would show up to cut hair. So Tori um, just pushed through and, and did whatever was needed of her for that. Um, so we're, we're grateful, and we do miss her and Bob today. They're, they're not uh, feeling very well, and then we have two others that had to work, so we do miss those team members. Yeah, one of the things that you guys got to do, too, is um, they worked for, for a number of days in that San Jose with Pastor Sylvia and her church, 
and they honored you guys with a meal, and then you got to be a part of something very special, some, some water baptisms. And so, Gary, would you share with us that, that day? Because I know that was a very impo- impactful day. Yeah, thanks, Pastor Josh. Yeah, so you've heard already some of our <clears throat> construction stories and our painting stories, and I know there are folks sitting in the congregation this morning that have been on this trip. Uh, to kind of paint the picture a little bit more for you, um, when we're talking about a church, think about walls three foot high like our wainscoting in this room and then chain link fence from there to the roof. So you're pretty much outside, um, and yet um, they have very little there, except they have the same God we have. Um, and that was evident everywhere we went. And so Pastor Sylvia, we're building Pastor Sylvia house, and she decides she's going to bless us with a meal. So uh, we got real used to real fast. Chicken and rice was pretty much what you had at most meals. Um, And we had chicken and rice, but this time it was through the hands of Pastor Sylvia and it was on banana leaves. And so we sat communal style and a bunch of folks at tables, but he couldn't accommodate everyone at the tables. And so some of us sat on the floor. I know I was a floor dweller. Mm -hmm. Uh, And Pastor, I, I was finished eating and Pastor Sylvia came by and muchas gracias and you can't speak much, Eng- or much Spanish. They can't speak much English. We had a few folks on the team that could, but what you could speak was God's love. And so when Pastor Sylvia looked at me for the second helping, which I didn't want, I did the <laughs> only thing there was to do, and I ate a second helping and smiled and said, muchas gracias. Uh, and that was an awesome time for us to, to, to kind of commune with the, the overall community. And we had been told at the beginning of the trip that we were going to take part in a special opportunity to do a water baptism. And I don't know about the rest of the team, but I had forgotten that. Um, and so Wednesday, w- there was a very deliberate instruction from the two missionaries, Joel and Leah, that we had to be ready to be on the bus at 3.30. We had been typically working till about 4.30 or 5 the first couple days, but we were all on the bus at 3.30. And you picture it, right, 25 of us on the bus, and it's like a 42-seat bus, and then all of a sudden locals start coming on the bus, and more people, and more people, and more people. And, like, we're trying to figure out, does the bus hold this many people? And Terry and I are sitting next to each other, and then we're scooching in, and then there's one little kid next to us, and then two little kids next to us, and still people are coming. Um, So now my wife sits on my lap, and now we've got three kids and my wife and myself in two bus seats, and we head off. And I still don't know where we're going because I'd forgotten, um, but we're heading to the river. And we, as we pulled up to the river, I was like, oh, we're doing the water, ba- like water, river, baptism. <laughs> um, so we're doing a water baptism. And now all the locals are getting off. We're getting off. And we form a, a chain, the guys do, in the river because we've got 27 people that are going to head into the river to be baptized by Joel and Leah. And then Pastor Mac, who's an awesome guy from Coastal, some of you know Pastor Mac, he assisted with the water baptism because we're in a raging river. Um, and we get to do water baptism. I'll share with you what I shared with the first group, and I know I'll share with the next group after you today. It was only a year and a half ago that I was baptized by Pastor Josh at the Aquafit pool. Um, Water was really nice temperature, and it was a lot of fun. Um, I had no idea how God uses people, even though we read that in our word, we talk about that together. In less than five weeks, I've been involved in 47 water baptisms, 20 here and 27 um, in the jungle, and that's not even about me, right? I'm just a tool. I'm one of the helpers of 
of God's kingdom here on earth. Um, we had a really cool event, though, inside of that. Um, one of the little boys, Alexander, um, who has cerebral palsy, he was water baptized. I can tell you there wasn't a dry eye as he was going out, but when he came out of the water, he had a scream and a smile that there was no doubt the Holy Spirit was in that place. And we all cried like a bunch of babies. Some of us are probably going to start crying now. Um, but I can tell you God was with us on that entire trip, and what a blessing we had being part of it. So thank you, church. So after um, we completed work in San Jose, the next day we were charged with going to um, three different villages in three different directions. So we split up into groups, and we went to the village of Quampus, Maria Magdalena and Chapanza, I'm not sure the pronunciation of that last one, um, and did some various projects. So Dante's going to talk to us about the first village. So we, uh, I was part of the team of where we went to Compass. So before we ever journeyed to Compass, we had to wait for another taxi because it was so many of us. And so... <laughs> We had to, now the taxi is not a car, you guys. It's a, the taxi is a truck that you get in back of. You might have three people in the back seat, but traveling there right now, my thing is that I'm scared of heights. So for us to get across to the other side, we had to get on this bridge. But this was the thing, as we approached the bridge, the driver says, get out. Because he was afraid of the weight of the truck wouldn't hold the bridge. So I'm like, okay, I'm building myself up to say I'm, I'm going to do this. And I mean, we were up there, and this bridge is swinging back and forth. So as we approached the bridge, I realized and said, I can't do this. So I looked at Miss Rose and Miss Tori, and I said, I said, Miss Rose, I don't think I can do this. And so... They walked me across the bridge to get to the other side. But, no um, man left behind. <laughs> <laughs> but as we got into the village, um, our task was to paint the church for Pastor Amanda. And, um, I mean, the hospitality was awesome. When we approached, when we got up there, they're playing music. You know what I mean? They're in there sweeping up and cleaning up. So there was a team that went inside to clean and there was a team that outside that cleaned as well as paint. And we didn't have that many supplies, you guys. I mean, we you you thinking about paint rollers of where, you know, you have the little pan. We didn't have that. We were taking the rollers, <laughs> dipping inside the paint can, and just rolling it up there. And we and because of time, we didn't have that much time to really so we only painted the front of the church. And a couple of the individuals was able to paint the inside of the church. But, I mean, they believe their hospitality was out of this world. I mean, they had a table full of sugar cane. Um, there was uh, tree, grapes. tree grapes. And um, I choked on the tree grape, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> they're not like regular grapes. No, they're not like regular grapes at all. So you had to get instructions on how to get this grape. So you had to squeeze the seed out spit the seed out, then there was a little white cord inside. That's, that's, what, that's what you were supposed to be eating. Well, I sucked the grape out, <laughs> choked on the grape. I mean, sucked the seed out, choked on the seed, 
and you know was just struggled you know really getting it getting it together you know what I mean but it was it was truly truly a blessing because um, the pastor Amanda was she whatever we done she was just satisfied with it was the fact of you're helping out you're here that's all that matters so that was truly a blessing and I will just add when we got to this um, this village we were, had been told you have to leave at 11.30. I don't care what's going on, you leave at 11.30. And because we had to wait for a second taxi, our time, we had about a half an hour to pull together the little resources that we had, make it work, and get as much done as we, we could. So we painted the yellow to blue on the front, and then we sealed brick inside and um, had, had a good time with, with the community, the folks that came out. Um, in the next village, um, Gary's going to talk about um, Maria Magdalena, where we poured concrete. Yeah, so the, we were out a, as a second group uh, on a small project in the village of Mary, Mary Magdalena, Maria Magdalena. And the <clears throat> posts at this church are made of steel, and they were rotted through on the bottom. And so our task was to build with wood inside and outside, a little framing that we could then backfill with concrete that we were going to hand mix. So we got out there and we had a saw with two batteries and uh, a drill with the battery. Uh, backstory on that is two different brands of, um, of equipment. One was Craftsman and the other was DeWalt. And uh, I start, I was the saw, I got, somehow I was the cut guy on this crew for the whole trip. Um, and I start cutting the wood, and the first battery dies. But that's fine, because we have a second battery. And um, all of a sudden, the second battery is starting to wind down, and it's pretty clear we're not going to get all of our cuts done. Um, and so battery finally died, and we still had a fair amount of cutting to do. And when I say fair amount of cutting, we were trying to cut through a 1 by 6, 24 inches. But we still need to cut like 14 inches on one, and we got a couple more to cut. So for anyone that's ever had a Swiss Army knife, there's a saw in that that most of us never thought is supposed to be used. Uh, and all of a sudden, we're taking turns. Gary Reif was, Bob Nealis was. We're cutting through a board with a Swiss Army knife saw because that's what we have. And I'm outside with the youngest member of our group, um, Briggs Pugner, who's the pastor's son, 16-year-old uh, from Coastal, and he looks at me, and I, I'm pretty convinced. I know Josh says not everything's a God moment. I think this one might have been because we're not going to get this work done. And he looks at me and he goes, we don't have to cut it exact, right? As long as the boards, we can match them up and form forms, we can put the concrete in. And you know when someone says something that's not clear until it becomes clear? And it's like, yeah. So I go in and quickly announce we can stop cutting uh, because the youngest guy figured out how to do this because <laughs> God poured into him. Um, but we, we were able to get it done, and I'll tell you, the fun thing about it was, I think, the teamwork in that, um, and God poured in all of us on this trip, no, no obstacle was too big because you just figure out the next way because we were surrounded by God's love and people that we were serving that literally always figure out a way when we probably get in our own heads that if you don't have the right tool or the right equipment, you can't get the job done. And so the last village, um, I have trouble pronouncing it, but it's uh, Chapanza that we framed out a door at the church, and Stephanie's going to tell us about that. So, like across the board, we all had limited <coughs> tools and supplies, and for this job, we had a sheet of plywood, 
a electric saw. Um, we did have a drill and some two by fours. So we go in and we frame out the door. Well, we go to cut the plywood. We plug in the saw <laughs> and hit it. The, all the electric goes out in the village. <laughs> so we've just fried their electric. And uh, we still need to cut this board. Um, fortunately, the board fit the doorway above it. We didn't have to cut it. So it's a little taller than it needs to be, but it does the job. Um, we had someone on our team, Whitney. She speaks Spanish. So she went to the neighbor and asked for a handsaw. So we handsawed all of the two by fours to frame out the door, which we don't have a picture of the outside of the door, but we had some leftover lumber and we built a cross for the inside and we were told that we had to be on the bus at 11.30. You get on that bus at 11.30. I don't, don't care what's happening. Well, the neighbor, which was also the pastor of the church, she brought us food and we couldn't decline you know, eating the food, so we're stuck between. <laughs> do we get on this bus at 11.30 or do we eat? So we ate and uh, <laughs> it was delicious. <laughs> um, and you know, we are told <clears throat> to only eat what the missionaries tell you to eat because you can get sick. So we're all looking at each other and the two interns, Abigail and Chloe, that were with us, intern missionaries, they said, you know, you, you've got to eat it We'll just all pray that we won't get sick. <laughs> so that's what we did, and we were great. So, <laughs> so what's that? Do you want to do hotel? Sure, go for it. Um, so the last thing we did was um, we did spend a little bit of time. We spent most, I guess, a good part of a day at the Hope House, and Sandy's going to talk about that briefly. Um, so uh, after everybody came back from our each individual villages, we got together, and we got on the bus, and we went over to the Hope House, and... Um, I really didn't have a clue what the Hope House was, to be honest with you. I, I've heard the church talk about it a lot of times, and I kind of had an ideal from past trips of little bits of things of it, and we get there, and it is ginormous. Um, and I was in Karen's office the other day, and I saw, like, the first picture of what the Hope House is and how um, small it was compared to what it is now, and it's just amazing. Um, and I always considered it, like, just from what I heard was more of, like, um, an orphanage, but it's more of like a boarding school than an orphanage, except, of course, the kids don't pay to come here. And really what it is is it's an opportunity for girls to be brought to the Hope House by their family, um, either girls who have been uh, abused, um, raped, or whatever, and their mother has said, you know, I would rather them have a chance of a better life, so they bring them to this house. Or even... If the mother has died and the father says, I don't, I don't really know what to do with these children, so they bring them, these girls, so they bring them to the house. And um, Joel and Leah set up this house to uh, help these children have a better life. And it just gives them hope for something better than what is there for them in the jungle. And um, so it started out with just one little child. And if, if you ever get a chance to talk to Joel and hear the story of how it progressed it's amazing our heart will just break but it started out with one girl and then now there's like 50 girls there it is amazing um and they're all different age ranges they go to school and they give they have an opportunity to learn and grow and if their situation is still good with their family they can still see their family and certain days their family's allowed to come see them they get to go home and see their family when they need to um 
And so it's just a great opportunity. Our group, some of the younger ones and no sportier ones, not me, played a very rigorous game of soccer with them or football, and it was it was pretty cutthroat. I mean, I, I'm I'm so glad that I was not involved in it. Um, but they did an amazing job playing with them, um, playing football with them all day. And then the girls in the Hope House served us dinner. Like that was part of their. Um, way to show us love is they served us dinner and then afterwards they put on a, a beautiful show for us and showing the different three different types of culture in Ecuador the jungle and the mountain and the coastal thank you um, and then af after all of that we um, got up and we of course prayed for them because it's just such a blessing to be there with these girls and to see all that they have done and how they've grown um, and so we prayed for them, and at which point in time, Joel and Leah said to the girls, turn around and put your hands on these, these people here, and they prayed over us, and it was just amazing, like, how, just the feel, got, like, we couldn't understand anything they're saying, because none of them speak English, but they are, so they're praying in their language, some of it is Spanish, some of it is Schwar, some of it is, you know, like, it's not even necessarily the same amongst them. Um, and it was just amazing and just the feeling of God's spirit in that house. And um, so it was a great opportunity. And they have a little, um, they grow uh, cocoa trees. They make their own chocolate, make their own chocolate in, uh, right there on their facility so that they can, they take down the trees, they make their chocolate, and then they sell it as part of the funds to help support them. So it was a great opportunity Thank to you, be Sandy. there. Yeah, and you know what? You guys are a part of that because the Hope House is one of the missionary things that we support on a monthly basis. So you guys help ministry on, a, a, on an ongoing basis uh, at the Hope House, so that's really cool. One of the things that's true about a mission strip is you never come back the same. You know, God speaks in your life. He does some things in your life. So I want to ask each one of the team members, you know, what was the most info, Im, impactful part of the trip for you? So Dante, you get to go first. Since you, <laughs> they gave you the mic, so you get to go first. Um, I truly enjoyed the, um, what made an impact with me was uh, the unity of the ministries coming together as well as the villagers. Um, the Lord just laid on my heart while we were there a word where it's that we have to be content with being uncomfortable. And that was a moment that I had to live in. So the water baptism was amazing. I loved playing with the kids, but I think what really spoke to me was... Um, when we were traveling on the bus to Quito, we were asked to um, tell the whole bus um, what meant the most to us. And um, I think what struck me is that we were all on the same trip. We all saw the same things. But the way God moved in, um, everybody's lives was different. So the mission trip meant something different to everybody else. So you can be and experience the same thing, but what God moves and does in you is totally different. And it was awesome. So the, the theme it, that kept uh, playing over and over in my mind um, while I was there <coughs> was just the, the difference between what we have here and what they have there and how it uh, affects our, our faith and our walk with God. I feel like a lot of times in the uh, U.S. and in Western cultures, um, 
God can be kind of drowned out by the comforts that we have. You know, the, the promises of God, you know, they, they grab them and hold on to them with both hands and, and, and are serious. And sometimes we're not because, you know, we have a house, we have a comfortable bed, we have a nice job, we have a car, we have enough food. It's no problem. You know, maybe we'll get to Jesus one of these days, but, um, you know, it, it can really, th- those comforts, you got to be aware, they can hinder um, the gospel and hinder what God wants to do in your life. So, um, and just seeing them and how serious they take their faith and how much they believe in the promises of God was just a, re- a refreshment to me, honestly. That'll preach, huh? That's good. <laughs> like Jason, we had um, we have similar thoughts about it, and um, I just and I don't know if they shared it when they were talking about the water baptism this time, but like one of the guys that got baptized, a 16-year-old boy, he two days later, earlier had been um, overdosed and pronounced dead, and they prayed over him, and he came back to life, and he was baptized that day, and his he was at the church every day since that day had happened. And um, so one of the things that excuse me <clears throat> stuck out to me was just God is still doing miracles. Yeah. And, and I think that sometimes here in the United States we miss that because we have drugs and we have doctors, which are amazing and great things. But there, there's nothing for this boy in the jungle who overdosed but the love and the, the prayers of these pastors. And they prayed over them, and it was that God, God did that miracle. And that's the miracle that's happening. And it wasn't just that one. There was stories of stories of miracles just like that where people had nothing. There was no money. There was somebody was dead, something, and God, and God. It's just miracles. So for me, it was definitely the power of prayer, faith, and the presence of God. Um, we went into the church, the local church there, and uh, it was spoken in Spanish. The service was, but whether you could understand it or not, you felt it. Um, it didn't matter who you, you know, who you were or who you were with, surrounded. God was there. He was everywhere with us, and you could definitely feel it, the power. Um, like I said, you know, we were there to help others, and they turned on us and laid their hands on us and prayed for us. Uh, it was just a strong feeling that you just, just to be there and a part of that. It was just, I'm so grateful. So our journey to get to um, Sakua was like two days. We had to fly, well, drive to Dulles and then fly to Houston and then fly to Quito, another six, five hours. And then from there, we took a bus. It was about two hours to a hotel where we went to sleep. And the next morning we woke up and then had another like seven hour bus ride to get to Sakua. And when we get there, they take us to the hotel, and they say you have about 15 minutes to check in, get your bags, um, freshen up, we're going to church. So we hop back on the bus, and we head to church, and like Jamie said, it was all in Spanish, so only a few of us speak or understand Spanish, but the worship team sang Yeshua, and that was one song we all knew the words to, like, Everything in the song was Spanish, except for the word Yeshua, which we all knew. And the entire church held hands, and it was the most powerful. You could just feel the Holy Spirit working in that church. And, you know, even though we couldn't understand them, they couldn't understand us, we all knew Jesus. Yeah, I think for me, um, this trip was, it was an eye-opener. 
to uh, what happens in our lives when we surrender to God. When we let God use us and work through us, um, he does amazing things. And so, you know, I, I walked into this trip just knowing that whatever was, whatever I was expecting, um, God was going to do way more than that. Um, and we were told to be flexible. And so that's what I did all week. And um, the, the power of surrender is... Uh, it's, it's something amazing um, to walk into a trip like that and throw my hands up and go, okay, God, however you're going to use me this week, go ahead and do that, and then watch God move me where he needed me. Um, <clears throat> it was absolutely amazing. Um, and it's a good reminder that all of us here at home can do the very same thing every single day. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And when we put God first and we let him use us first, uh, the, the outcomes are indescribable. So that's what I got from the trip. So for me, it was um, much of what you've heard already, trust and obedience. Um, I'm a planner. I'm married to a planner. Um, and when you spend your life planning, you sometimes forget the scripture verse of, for I know the plans I have for you. Um, and so um, it was commented about with the block that we were using. And day two, somehow I became the cut guy. Um, and cutting block with a saw that wasn't meant to cut block and getting it all over. I, I was convinced day three I wasn't going to be the cut guy. Um, and then that morning, because we heard a word every morning, the, the, the word was obedience. Um, and we got to the job site, and um, I wasn't going to be the cut guy. And within two minutes, somebody said, hey, Gary, I need a cut. <laughs> <laughs> wasn't my plan. But, you know, when you just had laid on your heart an hour earlier that you need to be obedient, I became the cut guy again. So I think for all of us, I know for me, it was just kind of go with the flow and trust God. And sometimes, Jason said it, in our lives here, we, we forget that that's really the key. Um, and so that's what hit me hard there. And for me, I'm always amazed at how God uses anybody that's involved. You know, it's not just us that went and put our hands on the materials. It's all of you that prayed that um, paid, you know, and, and got us where we are, your faithfulness. One of the things that we're given and it's included in the trip is a spa day. Um, these folks and the team from Ocean City all gave up their spa day so that those funds could be used to further what God had put in place while we were on the ground. Um, so I will let you know, between Ocean City and us, we have purchased two more pieces of property in Ecuador that will be used for um, building two more pastor houses. We also paid for the last two semesters of college for the second girl to attend the Hope House. They had been praying right up to the, that morning, where is it coming from, where is it coming from? Um, and we were able to bless them and several others. So we thank you for your faithfulness in everything that you do to help us do what we do on the ground. Yeah, sounds like a good time, doesn't it? <laughs> so I, I think the key word is obedience and being flexible. Yeah, definitely. You know, and surrender, maybe is the third. You know I have to have three points, right? So, <laughs> so if you can be flexible, be obedient, and surrender, you're going to be good. You, God's going to be able to use you. Uh, Rose, one of the things we have is uh, we're planning some mission trips already, and so you want to talk about the two that we're looking at. 
Yeah, so um, all of you know Frank and Brittany Henson, and we are happy to announce that we will have our first trip with them January of 2024. Um, the only downfall is it's not going to be a large team. We will have probably a team of six um, at their request because they're just getting started with hosting teams, and we don't want to overwhelm them with trying to translate um, for 25 people. So we are partnering with them to put on a camp experience for the Nicaraguan refugees that they work with. There's roughly 60 of those kids that will be at that camp, and we'll be putting out information on ways that you all as a congregation can help with that project. Secondly is because that's such a small team and we can only take a few people, um, we are also um, going to consider partnering with uh, Ocean City again and doing a trip back to the jungle because it was such an awesome experience to be a part of. So keep both of those in mind, and we'll have more information coming out on those. Yeah, and once again, thank you to Rose. I know I said it earlier, but it doesn't happen without Rose. So. <laughs> and so um, we're going to go ahead and close here. I'm going to close in a word of prayer. we got a slideshow that's going to come up. But uh, you're free to dismiss after the prayer, and we're going to show the show, slideshow. So, Father, we just thank you, Lord, for, first of all, what you do in our lives, Lord. We're so thankful that you died for us and that you gave your life. And, Lord, as we spread that message to the world, Lord, we're just so thankful, Lord, that you made the promise to empower us. And, Lord, we're, we're serious as a church about that mission. And so, Lord, I pray that you would continue to bless us, continue to put us in position, not only to make an impact here in Chestertown, but in the, in, in the surrounding area and all the way to the end of the earth. Thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to be a part of that commission. Lord, we love you and we praise you. In the name of Jesus, amen. 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 A little slideshow of what happened in this whole week. God bless you. You're dismissed. <laughs>